on this week's episode of News of the Week for episode 326 of the YLP Podcast. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, we're two weeks away from the beginning of WrestleMania weekend. And of course, all the news is going to be coming out about WrestleMania and all that stuff. But there are some more important things we need to discuss on today's episode. This week's top story, of course, if you haven't heard it on uh, any other professional wrestling podcast in the entire world, we unfortunately have to discuss the passing of one Scott Hall dying at the age of 63 this past Monday, if I'm not mistaken, off of heart attack, suffered after hip surgery um, over over that particular weekend. We'll discuss all of that, as well as Booker T questioning recent Big E moves following his neck injury. We'll be discussing, of course, the neck injury itself, what happened. And then we'll get into, of course, talking about what Booker T had to say about the whole situation, as well as Jay Briscoe uh, making news once again, making a new apology for his homophobic tweets back from 2013. We'll be discussing the tweets themselves, and I'll give you guys my opinion as best as I possibly can about the situation as a whole, because uh, there is an unnamed executive that uh, basically is preventing the Briscoes from joining AEW. We'll discuss all of that and much, much more on this week's episode. Y'all know what time it is. Time for y'all to kick back, relax, have a nice refreshing beverage, a snack or two. You know, hopefully you're just enjoying your possibly your hike, your bike ride, your workout, anything you're doing. Because uh, last time I checked... It's go time. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 326 of the YLP Podcast. Let's hit that intro. Let's get it started. And with that being said, let us begin. What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling Malicious Podcast here, and welcome to episode 326 of the YLP Podcast. So glad to have you guys here with me on this fine Saturday. By the way, it's also St. Patty's Day weekend, so I hope you guys have been enjoying your festivities so far. But I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the World! Thank you guys so much for taking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, opinions, or anything else pertaining to this episode or any of the episodes of the YLP podcast, do not hesitate to hit me up with a voice message over on anchor.fm slash Young Lions Perspective, anchor.fm slash Russell Addict Radio over on ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. Amazon Music, Audible, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts, let your voice be heard. Also, you can be able to email over at younglionsperspective at gmail.com. I want to hear your opinions about today's episode and anything else that may have happened this past week that I may have missed because I miss a ton of news. All right. Also, find me over on Twitter at YL Perspective, over on Instagram at younglions, young underscore, I'm sorry. Lions underscore perspective over on Facebook to search for simply Young Lions Perspective Podcast. And again, let your voice be hoid. 
It is March 19th, 2022. Ladies and gentlemen, we are two weeks away from WrestleMania 38. Okay. And I am sending out a nice little bat signal to a particular person. My friend, my good buddy, my former co-host of the Wrestling With Issues podcast, my buddy Nick Doolin. Hey. April 1st, April 8th. Hope you got nothing going on. Because we're going to have some things to talk about in terms of WrestleMania. So I wanted to put that out there. A little bit of house cleaning for this week. Let's get into our top story. Let's not waste any more time. But actually, before I say, before I get into the Scott Hall situation, I hope you guys had a fantastic, productive week. Hope you guys kicked ass. Hope you guys did very good things this week to help, you know, elevate yourself to become great and magnificent in your lives. That's all, I, that's all usually what I hope for you guys. I want to make sure you guys have the best week ever, as always. And I hope your week was quite well. Mine was good. Mine was fantastic. Miss um, Wild P and I actually enjoyed a little bit of restaurant week here uh, in the Colorado area. Again, I'm not going to tell you my location because some of y'all are just crazy. Okay. But we had a nice little, uh, we went out to restaurant week. Uh, went out to a place called 100% de Agave. And may I tell y'all, if you are ever in... I guess, fuck it, if you're going to be in every, anyone in the uh, Denver metro area, um, Restaurant Week is insane. Usually goes through from uh, March 11th through the 20th. So if you're anywhere in the Denver metro area, make sure you take time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, go check that out. <coughs> Excuse me. We're going to go to one particular restaurant called Luca. There's a bit of complications with that, but we were, I mean, we weren't too far from 100% de Agave. Uh, nice, a very solid Mexican uh, restaurant and bar in uh, downtown Denver. It was delicious. Um, it was absolutely freaking delicious. It was a great time. Um, well worth the time we uh, did. And we just allowed the universe to just let it flow. And man, I tell you. And plus the margaritas were on point. I'm a salt boy. So um, yeah, it was a good time with that. And we, we just had a pretty solid week. Um, had, I had some corned beef for the first time in my life. And uh, it was quite delicious. Miss YLP made that. Capital T tender, as Guy Fieri would say. Uh, but it was delicious. So yeah, it's been a solid week for me. Um, also, I started doing a course for data analytics, so um, I'm very excited about learning all about that. So, yeah, enough about me, but I hope you guys had a great week nonetheless. Um, any, of course, anything, any achievements you may have had, I would love to hear them, like I said, voice messages, all that stuff. Now let's get into the Scott Holm news. All right, enough rambling This from, from yours truly. This is not the show for exactly to talk about what he did this week. This is talked about professional wrestling news. And, of course, this week's top story... An unfortunate one to say the least, but um, Scott Hall, uh, also known, a.k.a. Razor Ramon, a.k.a. one-third of the original NWO, one-third, uh, well, one-fifth, actually, of The Click. And honestly, if you guys think about it, one of the most influential names in the history of professional wrestling, whether y'all like it or not, because they really be like that sometimes. But um, it's quite un- it was quite unfortunate to hear the news over the week over last weekend about what had happened to Scott Hall. Apparently, Scott Hall. Um, actually, you know what? I'm just going to read the article from CBSSports.com. Give all the context there. So let's get into it. This is from Brett Brookhouse, and he has got some her on him. Anywho, <laughs> let's get into it. Professional wrestling legend Scott Hall a two-time WWE Hall of Famer and a founding member of the NWO faction, died Monday. He was 63. Hall had been placed on life support after suffering a series of heart attacks and developing a blood clot following a planned hip surgery. 
Early Monday morning, Hall's longtime friend and tag team partner, Kevin Nash, posted on Instagram, and I posted it on my Instagram as well, over at young underscore lions underscore perspective, if you want to see what Kevin Nash had to say about that. Um, saying that Hall would be removed from life support at Wellstar Kenstone Hospital in Marietta, Georgia, once Hall's family could be in place. WWE confirmed Monday night at the start of its Raw television program that Hall has passed. One of the most charismatic and captivating wrestlers of the 1990s and early 2000s, Hall wrestled for several promotions from the mid-1980s with short stints in WWF and WCW, along with a successful run in AWA before catching on more permanently in WCW as the Diamond Stud. However, he first rose to prominence in 1992 when he signed with WWF and debuted as Razor Ramon, a character that oozed machismo and was influenced by Scarface. As Razor, also known as the bad guy, Hall became one of WWF's top stars with four Intercontinental Championship reigns during his tenure with the company. He also starred alongside Shawn Michaels in one of the most influential matches in wrestling history, a legendary ladder match to determine the true Intercontinental Champion at WrestleMania 10. An absolute banger of a match. And for any fan that is new to the world of professional wrestling, it is one of the most, I honestly think, one of the quintessential matches any new wrestling fan should watch. It, 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 storytelling at its finest and two guys that could definitely work over a championship that was known at that point as a workhorse championship. While Hall and Nash, known as Diesel and WWF, had worked together previously in WCW, it was in the, during the early 90s WWF stint that they became close friends. The pair were famously part of a backstage group of wrestlers known as The Click, a group that was not used in WWF storylines, but also included Shawn Michaels, Paul Levesque, and Shawn Waltman. Hall and Nash jumped to see WCW in mid-1996, appearing as invading forces called the Outsiders, looking to take over the promotion. That set in motion WCW's eventual 83-week domination of WWF in the Monday Night Ratings War. Hall and Nash would soon be joined by Hulk Hogan to form the New World Order, one of the greatest stables in professional wrestling history. In addition to their formation of the industry-changing NWO, Hall and Nash won the WCW tag title seven times. Hall also had one tag team reign alongside the Giant, as well as two runs as WCW United States Champion and one as WCW Television Champion. During his wrestling peak, Hall also battled in drug and alcohol addiction, which were issues he would continue to fight for much of his life. After late career stints with the WWF and TNA, Hall retired from active competition in 2010 when he was released from his TNA contract amid legal trouble stemming from an alcohol-related incident in a bar in Florida. Hall made a push to get his life back on track by rehabilitating physically and mentally with friend and former WCW wrestler Diamond Dallas Page. Hall moved into Page's home where he strengthened his sobriety and repaired his body. Page also helped Hall raise money for a needed hip replacement in 2013. Hall was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame one year later as Razor Ramon. <sighs> he was inducted again in 2020 alongside Nash, Hogan, and Waltman as part of the NWO. Um, quote, this is a quote from Kevin Nash's on his uh, post on Instagram. I'm going to lose the one person on this planet I've spent more of my life with than anyone else. My heart is broken and I'm so very fucking sad. I love Scott with all my heart, but now I have to prepare my life without him in the present. I've been blessed to have a friend that took me at face value and I him. When we jumped to WCW, we didn't care who liked or hated us. We had each other. And with the smooth berry bloom, we changed wrestling both in content and pay for those a lot that disliked us. We were the outsiders, but we had each other. Scott always felt he wasn't worthy of the afterlife. Will God please have some gold-plated toothpicks for my brother? His My life was enriched with his take on life. He wasn't perfect, but as he always said, the last perfect person to walk the planet, they nailed to a cross. As we prepare for life without him, just remember that goes, there goes a great guy. 
You ain't going to see another like one, another one like him again. See you down the road, Scott. I couldn't love a human being any more than I do you. End quote. Uh, just give me one second. I'm going to close the door in the office of YLP Studios. Because Mr. YLP Jr. likes going in and out of the office during my recordings. And I do apologize for that. In terms of Scott Hall for me as a professional wrestling fan. I mean, when you're a kid, honestly, you know, you look, you always look up to the superheroes, right? You know, the Batmans, the Supermans, the Captain Americas. You always root for the good guy. You want the good guy to prevail over evil and, you know, pair and cause the evil to perish, right? Not I, said the fly. <laughs> Not I. Um, I do love me a good baby face. I do. Everyone usually does. But Razor Ramon was the first talent in professional wrestling that was a heel that I absolutely just was just like, it changed my whole perspective on professional wrestling, if you can honestly think about it. He was the bad guy. You know, I've, I've watched Scarface <laughs> plenty of times to know exactly how Scott Hall actually portrayed that character fantastically. And um, I found out actually this week, I was talking to my buddy Russell um, from my old job, and he was telling me that Kurt Henning kind of pretty much was the one to help facilitate the Razor Ramon character. As the story goes, apparently, um, Henning and Ramon, uh, well, Hall, I should say, went to Vince McMahon and pretty much pitched the character of Razor Ramon. Funny thing was, Vince McMahon had never seen the movie Scarface, so Vince McMahon essentially thought this was just some rant, like some new gimmick that had never been done before. Not knowing the character of Razor Ramon was pretty much based off Scarface. So once Vin upon uh, Vince McMahon hearing this, he pretty much ran with it. And thank goodness he never seen Scarface because Razor Ramon became one of the most influential characters, talents in WWF in the early 90s. Um, I believe this is a part of the new generation era or the starting of the new generation era in WWE. So, and lo and behold, Razor Ramon became one of the one of the, the most, if not popular, Intercontinental Champions ever. You know, and of course, having that uh, Intercontinental Championship match with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 10, that really set the tone, at least for me personally, in terms of a person who loves the Intercontinental Championship, um, Treated it as a workhorse championship. Not only that, but it was essentially stating you were kind of next in line for the WWF championship. That's how much I loved and respected the Intercontinental Championship before they started treating it like an afterthought. So, but Scott Hall, like I said, was that one heel that, you know, in a sense, like, had this, like, you know, machismo, alpha male attitude, you know. He was just so different from the characters I had used to seeing because mainly, you know, we had the Hulk Hogan's, we had the Bret Hart's, we had the Shawn Michaels and all that stuff. And yeah, baby faces are cool if, they, if they're done correctly. But I had never seen a, per, a talent like a Razor Ramon that made me just think, maybe I do like heels. And ever since then, I've appreciated the heels more so than I have done the baby faces. Because you can do more with being a heel as opposed to being a baby face because you're kind of restricted in what you can do. That's the rock how that went down before he started talking his smack back in, two, in the early 2000s when he was Hollywood rock. 
But like I, I said, I posted on my Instagram story too. Like he was that he was just that dude. You know, he was everything like that you wouldn't think of a, a of a talent to be. And he kind of like essentially made that for me at least as like a seven eight year old kid was just thinking like he's so cool. You know, that's kind of like the you know I like that. I like how he carries himself. I like how he does that shit. You know, and that was the thing, and it, it just drew me immediately to him. You know, 100%. And I was just enamored by it. And then ever since then, I just, you know, wanted to appreciate, you know, the heels. And appreciate, you know, what a heel could be and what a heel character can look like in the evolution of a heel. You know what I mean? So, like, it's just one of those things where I'm just like, wow, we, we, this is different. It's different than what you're used to seeing. Because, like, here's this guy, you know, just like has that machismo and just has it, you know, oozing out of his pores and just, you know, being cool, Miami setting, all that stuff. And he played it. He played the character fucking well, like played it so well. And it was just amazing to watch. And, you know, it was just one of those things where you could learn to appreciate it. So when Scott Hall then went over to WCW with Kevin Nash and began the outsider storyline, I remember actually, you know, re- starting to rewatch the uh, Monday Night Wars a little bit, and I remember watching um, this whole storyline develop, and the and then when it got to the point of you know the third guy in the NWO, and that became the biggest storyline in WCW. Who was the third guy in the NWO? And when we found out it was gonna, it was Hulk Hogan that had turned on WCW to join and become the leader of the NWO. Those three became the most influential figures in professional wrestling. And the NWO became the greatest stable. I I mean, the only other stable that could rival the NWO was the Four Horsemen. To me personally, that's the only other stable that I think we could have that argument of which is the greatest stable of all time. Is either the Four Horsemen or the NWO. You know... And the NWO changed the game for everybody in the industry. Um, I was a fan of the NWO, again, heels. So seeing, you know, Hall, Nash, and Hogan walking around like they own the joint. Eric Bischoff joined the NWO, you know, all that. It was just fantastic to see, you know, that evolution of Hall and Nash just re- like having the feud with Harley Heat. That was a, oh my God, that was probably one of the best feuds. Hall had probably in his career, besides the uh, feud he had with Shawn Michaels, and of course facing Bret uh, Bret Hart um, in a, not, I believe it was a non-title matchup, and that was probably one of his best matches as well. But yeah, in WCW, he, I think he really hit his peak. I really think he was like, he was a top draw. Everywhere he went, people just hated his guts. But fans of the NWO, when they hear that, hey yo, crowd goes bonkers. The pop was instant. It was instant. You knew when Howell got on the mic, you knew exactly what he was going to start with. And every single time, it, it still, you know, still hit. It still popped. It still worked. You know, and it's just one of those things where he was in the best position he had ever been in in his career, in my honest opinion. I can't speak, I'm not going to speak for him. I'm just going to speak about him. Um, now, in terms of the drug and alcohol addiction, um, this is... You know, this part of the storyline for Scott Hall, in essence, with him and Nash, was a very hard one to take in for me. Because I was still a young man. 
um, seeing this all develop um, and not understanding, you know, what alcohol addiction was, what alcoholism was, what drug addiction was and all that stuff. I was young. But now as, as a grown ass man, rewatching the storyline in itself, you know, you could tell like he was having a lot of problems. And it surprised me, I think, as a young kid to see him, you know, with a, you know, with a drink in his hand, stumbling around, you know, all that shit, not being able to compete properly. And I'm surprised that they were able to turn that into a storyline and Hall was able to actually run with it. And I mean, it was, I mean, it was disturbing to watch as a young man, but now as a grown man watching it and just letting it play out, I was just thinking like, either he has a lot of demons or he's playing this very character very fucking well. Um without question and it was just hard to see it was hard to see that but understanding you know what he was going through he was going through a lot of demons going through a lot of demons and you know and seeing all of that play out it was wild it was a wild thing and i mean i respect wcw and hall for actually um being able to portray that storyline um like i mean part of me thought man this is some fucked up shit but also at the same time um, you know, exactly thinking like, man, I mean, this is good programming nonetheless, but still at the same time, you know, not being able to, you know, understand it at that time when I'm a young man and then seeing it next, it's just, it still boggles my mind how that all went through. But I mean, luckily he did get his life together, you know, retiring from that, you know, and then be able to get his life back. Able to get his life back on track. Able to... I mean, of all people, DDP was the right man to go to. Um, He's helped many, many names in the industry um, get sober and get better. And I think I said it uh, a a bit a a while back, maybe a couple episodes ago, about Sonny getting arrested and how I want her to actually go to DDP. Um, I was talking with uh, my buddies Malik and Russell about it. And, you know, we talked about that. I'm just like... Go to and I think one of them, one of them not me saying uh, go to they need to go to DDP and being able to do that, you know I'm I'm th- I'm glad that he was able to get his life together and get himself sorted out, you know get sober, get better, get well for himself, you know and then seeing him being inducted into the Hall of Fame at 2014, I watched that I watched that I watched the speech and it was a great speech it was a fantastic speech. And then being, you know, inducted again um, two years ago as part of the NWO, that was also fantastic. I was so happy for that because he deserved deserved it both times. Once as a character in WWE and once as a character outside of it. But the NWO was uh, then when they came over to uh, WWE in early 2000s. But the career he had was a a fantastic one. I mean It was just a fantastic um time to see a talent like a Scott Hall you know being that guy and just seeing all of that develop and just watching that watching this man perform like he did. It was just everything you wanted to see in Razor Ramon. You know what I mean? He was a great, you know, Scott Hall was one of the best talents that we had ever seen. 
you know, he played it. He played the character well in WWE, in WWF. He played, he did his damnedest and became one of the most, part of the most, most influential stables in uh, wrestling history. You know, it's going to be crazy to not think of the NWO now. And if they ever make a comeback, it won't feel complete because Scott Hall's not there. You understand? And that's just, honestly, the God's honest truth. I mean, I know around the world, and I know I saw it on social media, a lot of people were, you know, sending their sentiments to Scott Hall and his family. And it hurt to see, you know, the tweets from Kevin Nash and to, you know, see the tweets from Sean Waltman. And just seeing that and just, you know, and of course, Triple H and Sean, you know, it really hit hard in the industry. Because how that's how influential Scott Hall was to this industry. That's how I see it. I see Razor Ramon as probably like in terms of heels, one of my favorite heels ever. Nobody could do it like he did. Nobody could do it like he did. And it's gonna be it's it's sad that he is gone from this, you know, this earth, from this from the earth realm. But now Razor Ramon can be up in the skies and have a match with Randy Savage. You know what I mean? Cut a promo. Chico. It's going to be hard. I mean, just like The Undertaker, there's going to be a, there's never going to be another Razor Ramon. Because today, <laughs> the kind of guy that Razor Ramon was, uh, a lot of people would not be down with it. But that's cool. That's okay, because we got to have that. We got to have Razor Ramon. We got to have Scott Hall. We got to see that. And, you know, as a fan and as a professional wrestling podcaster, it's sad that we got to... It's not Actually, it's not sad. I'm not sad at all. I'm sad that he's gone. But I'm not sad of the career that he had and the influence that he had on the industry. We should all be thankful for the NWO as a whole, and we also be th- should be thankful for guys like Scott Hall, who also crow uh, the crow sting gimmick. That was Razor. That was Scott Hall's. That was Scott Hall's idea. And I just found that about about that a couple days ago, and I was pretty. I thought that was a pretty cool story to hear. You know, you know, with Kurt Henning helping uh, Scott Hall get the Razor Ramon gimmick going, and then Scott Hall being able to t- turn around and you know, have the crow gimmick for Sting and that becoming an influential thing. So it's just, it's just wonderful that a lot of people came out with a huge outpouring for Scott Hall. Uh, I saw tweets from, you know, JD from NY206. I saw tweets from Solid Monster. I saw all of that, you know, from it, up and down um, my, my timeline, you know, it was just love. It's just love for Scott Hall. And that's how it should be. And I mean, Scott Hall, you are you were gonna be very missed. You're gonna be missed. We will miss you. We loved your career. You were a great talent. We glad you got you took care of your demons before you left this realm. We appreciate you. Again, Scott Hall passing away at the age of 63 this past Monday. Alright, guys, when we come back on episode 326 of the YLP podcast, I got more news. You know, I got more news. We're going to be talking about, of course, Booker T. 
questioning recent Big E moves following neck injury. We're going to talk about the neck injury itself, how it happened, what went down, all that stuff, as well as what Big T, Booker T, I was about to say Big T, Booker T saying about the neck injury, as well as there was a lot of, there's a lot of joy about this this week. William Regal, apparently, um, the rounds were apparently about, you know, William Regal having injuries and health issues and all this stuff. This week. <laughs> now, but William Regal did come out and say that was a, a whole situation that happened a couple years ago. And he went on the Talk is Jericho podcast and discussed it. We'll discuss all of that on the other side of episode 326 of the YLP podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. With episode 326 of the YLP Podcast, talking about, of course, the news of the week. Of course, the show that discusses, breaks down all the news that's fit for me to talk about. But before I get into that, of course, I got to do a little shameless plug for the folks out there. Of course, make sure you check out the remainder of the family of Wrestle Addict Radio. It ain't just me. Ain't just Mr. YLP himself here, all right? I got other people that I'm cool with, that I'm part of the squad with. Of course, make sure you check out the Kings of the Rings podcast every Wednesday night live on YouTube and Twitch. Over on YouTube, it's the Kings of the Rings podcast. Just search, type that in. You'll find it. Got all the episodes in there. Check them all out. It's fan. It's a fantastic show. Not always family friendly, but seriously, a damn good show nonetheless, of course. Hosted by King Ricky Rose, Agent K Murphy, and of course, Mr. Will Tereshook, aka the Thousand Stake Man. All right. It was on the pre show, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now check out the pre show for sure. Half an hour before the show starts, 8 p.m. every Wednesday night, Eastern Standard Time, of course. And you can find the audio version the next day. On, of course, anchor.fm slash Wrestle Addict Radio, Amazon Music, everywhere you can listen to podcasts. But don't forget about my man, Mr. Fretz. Fretzel Mania podcast, to be exact, every single Friday. Check Mr. Fretz out. Of course, talking about the old school, back in the days, 20 years ago, to be exact, talk, breaking down all the episodes of yesteryear. So make sure you check out the remain the family of that is Wrestle Addict Radio every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Of course, Twistletic Radio, the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Let's get into this news, y'all. We head over to WrestlingInc.com. Booker T questions recent Big E moves following neck injury. This is written by Matthew Wilkinson. During the latest episode of Booker T's Hall of Fame podcast, he reflected on Big E's recent neck injury. Big E broke his neck. From a belly-to-belly suplex outside the ring this past Friday on Smack, Friday night on SmackDown. This is something Booker T questioned and admitting it is important for wrestlers to pick the right time for these kinds of moves. Saying, quote, we, when we go through stuff like that on Reality of Wrestling, two guys just say, for instance, they're going to do that spot. They come to me and say, hey, Book, we're going to do this. And the first thing I'll go is, well, why are we doing that? And they're going to give me a reason why they're doing that or they're not. 
They're just going to say, we are just doing it. That's the question you've always got to ask yourself in that situation. Is this something that we need to do? Are we going to get more out of this if we do this or if we do that? What's going to be the payoff? My thing is this. Don't put yourself in a situation where stuff like that can happen if you don't need to. I always talk about your levels of how you're going to go out and perform. House shows, you're going to perform a certain way. TV, you're going to perform a certain way. Pay-per-view, you're going to perform a certain way. I just think about those levels as far as going out there working certain ways, end quote. Booker also touched on the impact that this will have for Biggie's career overall. He thinks it is something that will take years away from his career. The Hall of Famer also admitted he didn't like the spear through the ropes that the New Day star did either, saying, quote, Big E, this one more is something that is going to take years of his career. Big E always did that dive through the middle of the ropes. And that was another move where I was like, I hate that move. If it's something done on pay-per-view, I can understand throwing caution to the wind. But just doing it just to do it, I don't believe in that, end quote. Booker pointed out that this is now a touch and go for Big E as far as him returning to the ring. However, Booker believes that the muscles that Big E has may actually have helped him, saying, quote, he's definitely going to go, have to go through a lot of pain, a lot of sleepless nights getting himself prepared to step back in the ring. There again, stepping back into the ring. It's going to be a touch and go situation after you've broken your neck. But we know it can be done. You look at a guy like Kurt Angle, broke his freaking neck and won an Olympic gold medal. So we know it can be done. Just like he was talking about, Big E having so much muscle around the neck of the trapezius, his shoulders, I am sure that helped him a whole lot. As far as not going through what most probably would have gone through in that situation right there, I am sure his recovering time, just that alone, having that is going to help him a whole lot. And of course, if I use any quotes from the article, please go to Hall of Fame Podcast, book TH slash T, WrestlingInc.com, transcription, because I'm not trying to get sued. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Every single, I mean, you as the listener may think that's a, may not think that's a thing, but it is a thing. And um, I'm not trying to get sued. So, Let's get into the neck injury itself. As I search for the actual injury, I can describe it better. This, the video itself, when I saw it, I didn't watch SmackDown last week. I'd be, and I'd be brutally honest, I haven't watched SmackDown in the last couple of weeks. Don't, no, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't get, don't get on me. Don't get, mm, I'm not trying to get in that shit. But I've seen the spot, okay? Him, what was it, what was it? Sheamus and um, Rich Holland versus Biggie and Kofi Kingston with Butch, the newest member of the stable. Pete Dunn. Butch. Oh, fuck my life. Anywho, so if I'm right, it was um, he hurt his C1 and C6 vertebrae on um, in, in his neck. Um, from what I can recall, there were um, there wasn't any damage to his spinal cord. And there wasn't any ligament damage at all whatsoever. So basically, um, there was no... It wasn't as big of an injury as we initially thought. Um, if we're going to go down that route. So, I mean, it still sucks because it's a broken freaking neck. Um, but it, the damage wasn't as grave as we initially thought it was. So that's that's a big plus um, right there. Even better, um, surgery is not required for it. Which is even better because that means, you know, he can heal naturally and then all take care of itself in time, of course, with a lot of PT and everything else in between. Now, again, if you haven't seen the spot, um, I wouldn't go out of your way necessarily to see it. I've seen it more than enough times to know that, yeah, he got dumped on his head. As far as now going to Rich Holland really quick, um, here's how I see it, right? 
we got to remind ourselves that in professional wrestling, injuries can happen. Not only injuries, people have died in the ring. Okay, going back, of course, and I hate talking about this thing, to uh, the Rey Mysterio spot that happened a few years ago. You know, after a 619, uh, one of the guys that he was competing, uh, he was working with, uh, unfortunately had died in the ring. And Rey Mysterio got a lot of heat for it because he thought they ever, everybody named Grandma was thinking that um, he was the one that caused the death when it turned out to be it wasn't. Uh, I forget exactly what the uh, actual diagnosis and cause was of said passing, but it sucks. And Rey Mysterio got a ton of heat for that for, a, for quite a while. You know, in this case with Rich Holland, I'm going to I'm going the same route. I don't fault Rich Holland for the spot. I fault the fact that it actually that spot happened. I mean, we've all seen a belly to belly suplex. We know exactly how it works. But you know, it does. I believe Stone Cold still. Uh, I could be wrong, and if I'm misquoting, I don't want to, you know, you know, misquote anyone. But I believe it was Stone Cold Steve Austin that says, um, you know, if you can't do the move, don't do it. I believe, that, I think it was like tough enough or something like that. You know, I think the one guy, yeah, one guy was trying to do a kip up, didn't work. You know, and, and then you hear that. I mean, if you can't, I mean, if you're not going to, if you can't do the move properly, don't do it at all. And Booker T is right in saying, you know, why are we doing the spot? Why are we doing this here? I get, I, I mean, I mean, when I initially saw the article, like the headline of the article, my first thought was, you know, what's he questioning? You know, what's, what, what's questioning? What are we questioning about? Feel me? So, and then understanding now, reading this article and understanding where he's coming from, I get it. You know, it's like you said, what's going to be the payoff? You know, you know, why, you know, why are we actually doing this spot? That's the key. Why are we doing it? You can't just go. You're not. Gonna, you can't just go out there and do it because you know you're on TV. You, just because you're not on telly. All right. That that that's something you don't need to be doing. I mean, if it worked out, cool, great. We can go along with the match. All that good stuff. Biggie can still can do his thing and all that. But he got dumped on his head. It's not just strength. It's technique. Rich Holland knows that. I'm for sure he knows that. And it was just that one time where his technique didn't serve him well in that case. Also, thankfully, I was reading, and this is just like, which is outside stuff. Um, Bridge Holland did go to the hospital where Big E was, um, apologized to him. He was undoubtedly apologetic when he got backstage. And you got to feel, I feel, I personally feel for Rich Holland, feel me? Yes, I know he's going to get the heat. He, it's, his, it's, it's Rich Holland's fault that, you know, he dumped him on his head. He didn't want to do the move properly. What the hell kind of wrestler? Yeah, it's going to fucking happen. Injuries happen. Rich Holland got his nose broken for fucking Ricochet kneeing him in the face. It's going to happen. Injuries in professional wrestling happen. Whether they were meant to be done, which is usually never or not. I can still think of the, um, I think it was Sabu and Cactus Jack. And if I'm wrong on that too, I think Nick, if you're, if you're hearing this, let me know. Um, I believe it was Sabu versus Cactus Jack. Barbed wire rope match, right? Sabu tore his bicep on a spot and kept going. 
took some tape, wrapped it around his arm, kept the match going, which was back then for me as a, as a kid seeing that shit nutty as hell. Injuries are gonna happen. Hell, Rich Holland fucked up his knee. Trying to, I believe, uh, only looking, the only looking spot in NXT. And um, he took the spot, knee bent. Injuries happen. More, most of the, more often than not, sure as hell not intentional. Sure as hell not intentional. This, this was not. I, I know for a fact, Rich Holland had no intention of injuring Biggie. We all, I mean, we got to keep that a stat. He had no intention of, of doing that to Big E. It sucks that it happened, and unfortunately, Big E's going to be out. Um, if I actually looked it up um, a few days ago, and uh, in terms of like injury, how long would a person be out? Um, so if it's not as severe, it's going to be six to eight weeks. If it was more severe and required surgery and all that, we're looking at at least three months. So basically, you were th- you're looking at... I mean, he's going to miss... We know now he's going to miss WrestleMania. We don't know how... They didn't say how long. They haven't seen any reports that stated how long he's going to be out. But we know at least he is going to be out for WrestleMania. The plans were... I believe it's supposed to be the New Day. All three members are having... having uh, with King Woods returning. New Day versus Sheamus, Ritalin, and uh, Butch. Yeah. Fucking joy. <sighs> It'd be like that sometimes. So that was that was the original plan. Now with that not taking place, I'm not sure what WWE is going to do for WrestleMania. That's now a match they don't have on the card. Are they still going to do Kingston and Woods versus maybe Dunn and Holland? Possible. Possible. It can still happen. It's just not going to be as good, I guess, without Big E there. But I I want to I want to ensure that you know. I mean, respect to Rich Holland to going to Big E and just, you know, being, you know, quite apologetic and, you know, being apologetic backstage. I mean, things that happen in professional wrestling, you know, motherfuckers is going to hurt themselves. The shit they do, like Sammy Guevara, at one point, I know them, them, them four fucking fifties on through the tables are going to fuck him up. It's going to happen. It's unintentional. So if I mean if you if you went on Twitter and you went on social media, shit talking Rich Holland for what he did, you know don't don't be doing that. Don't be doing that. The IWC is already to- as toxic as it is. We don't need more toxicity in the IWC, people. It sucks Biggie is out. When Biggie comes back, I'm sure we would be happy to have him back. The outpouring for Biggie and the love that Biggie got shows how shows how well respected he is within WWE and outside of the company itself. Filming like people like what was it AEW? What was it? I think it was also from Adam Cole. Uh, pretty much a lot of members of AEW like out, the outpouring of love and support for Biggie was astronomical, and it was beautiful to see. And it was beautiful to just see that and be able to just be like, "Wow, Big E is getting love." We should worry more about you know Big E getting better and you know than trying to shit on Rich Holland for. In, I guess in their warped minds, believing him to be the true root cause of Biggie. And you know that's going to happen. That's how social media shit works, YouTube shit. You know? But, but let's, let's be thankful that this injury wasn't as severe as it could have been. Alright? So let's keep that 100 all good shit.
Let's head over to Fightful.com, shall we? William Regal recalls being told he had 24 hours to live back in January of 2019. This is Jeremy Lambert. William Regal had a very rough go of things at the end of 2018 going into 2019. Regal has battled many health issues and injuries through his life and career, but none were more serious than a heart problem where he was told that he had 24 hours to live. Regal appeared on Talk is Jericho, and from what I heard, I believe uh, Brother Fretz uh, said it in our Discord, that, um, I mean, I know the disc. I know we have, yes, we have a Discord. Yay! WrestleMania Radio Discord, Paul Jam. And a Kings of the Rings Discord. Um, I, I have to hit over actually, because I need to get that link so I can uh, tell you guys the link so you can actually join us and be a part of that family over there. Yes, Discord. War Discord, fantastic. Now, and open up about his various health issues throughout his life, recalling a period where he was in the hospital and almost didn't make it, saying, quote, I went home two weeks before Christmas 2018. The last time my family was all together for t- was 2018 for Christmas, and I was in the hospital for eight weeks. I was given 24 hours to live. They were going to cut my leg off. This was January 4th, 2019. I insisted on going home for Christmas. I had a hell of a year 2018. Since 1998, I had pericarditis, an inflammation of the sac around the heart. It scars that sac. Your heart can beat, but that sac can lock down. I might not have looked like it, but I trained as hard as I did in taking bumps. It kept from that locking from locking down and going solid, the skin around your heart. I went to India, got really sick, and was out for a year. I had bouts on and off, he recalled. During the interview, Regal would jump around regarding his career and injuries, but circle back to his hospital stay by the end of the interview. Regal recalled attending PWG's Battle of Los Angeles tournament in 2018, and then going to the hospital a couple of months later, saying, quote, November. They send me for a scan. My legs are swelling. They do a scan of my abdomen. Fortunately for me, there's a cardiologist in the room, and this lady saved my life. She went, hang on a minute. There's something above that that doesn't look right. They couldn't scan there. This is Friday. Because I've already already been injected, they, so they need to do another scan because of the fluid. I go back Monday for a scan I never had before. I went home, and within an hour of be, me being in the house, my cardiologist called going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Why? We should have thought of this years ago. It doesn't pick up on a regular scan. What? You've probably got less than six months to live. What happened was, the sack around my heart had completely calcified. It looks like a goose egg. It was completely constricted and then grown into a solid rock. They cut me open and he's tapping on this goose egg. Three hours later, you can see it where he's peeled it all off and you can see a beating heart. If they didn't take it off, I would have six months to go. It's called a pericardiectomy. I believe I said that right. It's a very rare operation. Only a few people can do it. Fortunately, WWE got me a doctor in Atlanta that did this. It was I was eight weeks in the hospital, and after that, this is November 23rd, he says. Regal said he insisted on being home for Christmas because his son Bailey was home for the holidays. He picked the story back up, still in the hospital, by saying, For the first time in my life, I was like, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to die. About four weeks in, fluid leaking out of my legs. I was swollen like the Michelin Man. I had a drip in both of my arms. I couldn't move and cramping up. I insisted on going home. It was New Year's Day. I was screaming and was cramping from my eyelids to my toes. I fell out of bed and on the floor. My wife couldn't move me. Bailey came in and my other son picked me up off the floor. They got an ambulance and got me back in the hospital. I thought I was going to die. January 4, I got sepsis in my leg. January 4, my wife gets a call at 3 in the morning. Your husband has sepsis in his leg. We're going to cut his leg off. He probably has 24 hours to live if we don't. This doctor who was looking at after me, his wife is a doctor. She was on call. She overheard a conversation that there, this is a fellow who had a pericardiotomy, cardiectomy. She heard this, 
called her husband at home. They're about to chop his leg off. He called them, was like, inject them with this, 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 and this. Somehow that worked and saved my leg. I'm lying in a hospital bed after open heart surgery, and two days later, and two days before the NXT UK from Blackpool, where uh, Walter debuted, and something in my brain went click, and I thought, I'm gonna be okay. End quote. Regal said he spent the next two weeks trying to get out of the hospital, and eventually did. He said shortly after he was walking three miles, and within two months, he was doing 500 squats. Of course, now he's in uh, AEW, AEW, aligned with Brian Danielson and John Moxley. Recently, Regal noted that he's healthier than he's ever been after reports came out that he wasn't doing well. And of course, used any of the quotes above, original source, HSD, Chris Jericho, I don't want to get sued. Anyway, I saw this article, and, um, and I heard, like, I was, like, seeing news, like, you know, like, William Regal's not doing well and all this stuff. Now I'm thinking, wait a minute, if he's not doing well, then why the hell is he in AEW right now? So, you know, of course, that darn Wrestling Observer newsletter reporting it, health issues are far more serious than have ever come out. He would be speaking about his health issues on Talk is Jericho. And um, Regal said he didn't have long left on AEW Dynamite. Um, so I guess that kind of was the thing that made people think, something wrong with him? Now, he went on social media, of course, saying, uh, quote, Already, that's why I stayed out of the rumor mill and gossip. I just found out that there's things being printed about my health. I'm healthier than I've been in many years. I talked this week to someone about things that had happened to me in 2018. All right? William Regal's fine. <laughs> okay? He's okay. So we can dead that. Thank goodness. But hearing that, hearing all of that, that is very rough. That is very, very rough, man. Pericardia, you know, inflammation of the sack around the heart. You know, and going through the whole story of just like, you know, saying he's got six months to live. And, you know, the sack looked like a goose egg and just all like that. That is a rough go of things. That is a rough situation to be in. You know, saying, you know, getting your wife getting a call at three in the morning, you know, they, you know, cutting, possibly cutting his leg off. 24 hours to live if they don't, though. I mean, thank goodness for the doctor, one lady doctor uh, who overheard the conversation about that. And, you know, she made that call to, you know, to inject him with this, this, and this and save his leg. And so without that lady, I don't, you know, he'd probably be having a prosthetic. That's, that's the, that's the big, that's the big deal. You know, he could have been walking around, you know, with a prosthetic leg in a can, possible. And shout out to, and I don't know who the doctor is and, I'm, and he didn't name it, but shout out to that doctor, man. Having the wherewithal to understand what was going on and... You know, going to them and be like, do this. That will save his leg. Kudos to her, man. Dead ass. And, it, you know, realizing that, you know, his, something in his brain had clicked and he's, he knew he was going to be all right. You know, getting out of that, you know, walking three miles shortly after, you know, within two months doing 500 squats, that's beautiful, man. To have that kind of recovery and be able to do 500 squats, I can't even, I'm, I'm thankful I can do, you know, three sets of 10 to 12 and not have my quads feel like straight garbage. But, you know, thankfully, you know, the doctors did their damnedest to ensure he was going to be okay. Shout out to WWE for getting him to Atlanta where there was an actual specialist um, that could take care of him. Fantastic. 
all been fantastic. And I'm glad, you know, he's doing quite well for himself. I'm glad, he, I'm thankful he's healthy, you know. And when I think about it, you know, when he said, I don't have long left, I figure, I, you know, thinking about it, he doesn't have long left in the industry. That's what I believe he meant by that. 100%. I don't have long left in this industry. At one point, I'm going to be being pushed around my wife in a wheelchair, wheelchair to the sunny spot in the window or to, with toast coming out the side of my mouth. At that point, you know, he's going to get there at some point. And thankfully, um, he is in AEW. Thankfully, he's working with uh, Moxley, with Danielson, and eventually, you know, Yuta Wheeler. That's gonna be a fun. That's gonna be a fun situation. Fun situation for you know, Wheeler and Danielson and Moxley and you know Regal being you know it's gonna be a fantastic thing. And Regal and AEW, like I said last week, um, is just absolute fucking brilliance, man. Like I said, you know he has one of the best minds in the industry. I mean, he was scouting for Triple H in the black and gold era of NXT, so you know he was putting work in with the talent he found. I mean, they got Kushida. They got Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm for, I'm for certain Rigo was definitely trying to keep an eye on him. He's a, he was an integral part of the Black and Gold era, man. He was an integral part of what NXT was, and should have remained. Last thing here nor there. He's in AEW now, but Tony Khan is gonna have a wealth of knowledge to obtain from Regal. I'm for sure he's behind the scenes doing producing, being an agent, all that cool stuff, and gets to work with Danielson and Moxley at the same time. It is glorious. And it's wonderful to see. It's wonderful to watch. I'm glad he's in AEW. I'm thankful that he's got a job. I'm thankful that he's got he's in he is in great health. And I cannot wait to see what Mr. William Regal is gonna do next. It's gonna be a joy to watch, and I think we all deserve to just enjoy it with him. So that's going to end this portion of the program. But when we come back, we're in our final segment of the program. And we're going to be talking about some things. All right. Jay Briscoe making a new apology for homophobic tweets from 2013. We're going to discuss that. And I'll give you my thoughts on that as well. Also, we're ending today's show on a happy note, as we most of the time do. We've been saying this for quite some time. We've been wanting WWE in the UK. And apparently, we're going to get it. We'll talk about all that on the other side of episode 326 of the YLP podcast. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the final segment of episode 326 of the YLP Podcast. And let us wait no longer. Let us get into the last bit of news we have for this week's episode. Starting off, as we head over to WokeCulture.com, Jay Briscoe makes new apology for homophobic tweets from 2013. The dumbest, most dumbest, immature, obnoxious shit I have ever done. Written by Andy H. Murray. I like uh, Andy Murray, actually. 
Jay Briscoe has once again apologized for the homophobic tweets from 2013 that may have cost him and brother Mark a job in All Elite Wrestling. Fightful Select recently reported that a person of influence within AEW's television partners, Warner Media, had effectively blocked Tony Khan from signing the Briscoes, citing the tweets as the reason. This is despite Khan's recent buyout of the Briscoes' longtime home, Ring of Honor, and the T's dream match pitting Jay and Mark against AEW's FTR. Appearing on the Battleground podcast, Jay reiterated that he was sorry for the tweets, which he called, quote, the most dumbest, immature, obnoxious shit he has ever done. Saying, quote, I want to say thank you to the people who are, who really know. We get labeled as homophobes. I put out a, a stupid tweet nine years ago. The most dumbest, immature, obnoxious shit I've ever done. I don't want anybody from any walk of life to feel like they can't care for the Briscoes because I promise we love everybody. We love everybody and we just want to go out there and be pro wrestlers and give the best match that we can. I said some dumb shit a long time ago. I apologize for it and I'll apologize for it again. It was stupid. I feel like now there are people who look at us like we can't cheer for them because they hate a certain group of people. We don't hate nobody. We love everybody. We're just some country boys. I thought I was taking a stand for the Lord back in the day." End quote. Jay's Twitter history includes using a homophobic slur in 2011, as well as speaking out against same-sex marriage two years later. Ultimately, whether or not his latest apology is sufficient should be determined by those who could conceivably have been hurt by his words. The former RH world champion at least took ownership of his actions, though, rather than going for the cop-out, I'm sorry you were offended approach, public figures often take in situations like this. The Briscoes are currently advertised for a match against Mystery Opposition at ROH's Supercard of Honor 2022 show on April 1st. Whether or not this will be against FTR remains to be seen. The two teams have previously taken apart in a red-hot angle at Final Battle 2021 in December, building immense hype for the interpromotional match. For now, if that match is going to happen, it won't be on AEW television. Now, before I even give you my thoughts on it, let me just start off by saying this. I am still learning about the LGBTQIA plus community. So, do forgive me if I may say some things that may rub some people the wrong way because I'm still in the process of understanding this side of things. And, you know, of course, we are, uh, you know, with the, in the inclusivity with, with his wrestling radio, you know, I try to understand all sides. Feel me? Yeah, y'all know me well enough to know I, I try to understand all sides of the story. And with this, this is a this is an interesting situation because you know, one side of me understands how much the Briscoes can add to AEW. The other side of me understand under, is learning to understand that. A lot of things that are said do come back to haunt you. Now, I, I mean, respect to the fact that, you know, Jay does own up to the shit. You know, and of course, there will still be people who will, you know, hear that apology and... Still, you know, even if it's an apology, still dismiss it. Not because, you know, not just because blah, 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 we don't want to hear the shit. It's just, you know, I mean, understand the apology. But still, there's a, there's a group of people out there who are hurt by this. 
I truly understand that the words that I say on this program do matter. Feel me? And for me, of course, I've said some fucked up shit back in the day as well on social media and whatever. Do I believe Jay Briscoe's mindset is different now than it was in 2011 and 2013? I fucking hope so. But as far as Briscoe's joining AEW, it's not going to happen. It's just not. And I know there's a lot of people out there that would love to see Briscoe's in AEW. But it's unfortunately not going to take place. And that's, that's, that's honestly how it is. I mean, if, if FTR and the Briscoes ever, is ever going to happen, it will not take place in AEW. It won't. And I'm sure, you know, Jay is deeply sorry for what he said. I can believe that to be true. But it's also cost them dearly. You know, speaking out against same-sex marriage. Because I do have members of my family that are gay, that are lesbian. And, you know, I support it. I support same-sex marriage. If you want to get married, by all means, go ahead, do you. Feel me. Do your thing. I mean, if you invite me to the wedding, I'll be great, too. Um, The world is ever-changing. Mindsets changed. You know. I'm trying to take my time with this, y'all. Forgive me. Cause it's it's one of the it's one of those subjects where I'm like I said, I'm still learning and understanding it. You know. I talked with Miss YLP earlier before I recorded today, and we talked about it. And we just had a little back and forth. And I I mean, usually with me, I usually think about it on the side of just the pro wrestling side. You know, because the pro wrestling side of me is just, you know, AEW, ROH, Briscoe's in AEW, let's go. But then now, but then we go on to this side and really have to remember that things you do say can and will upset many people. I guarantee you I've said plenty of shit on not on just social media, but on this podcast that may have offended people. Mind you, when I was on the Wrestling With Issues podcast, our tagline was, we intend to offend. I get that. Because that's my, that, that's the style I pretty much wanted to work with. But also over having to remember that, you know, flying off the handle and saying some shit could get you in some heat. It can. It does. And it will. I've been suspended off Twitter before. I have. 
happens. People get banned and blocked and canceled all the time. It's just, I think, with Jay, especially being in the spot he's in now, going into the Ring of Honor Hall of Fame inaugural class and all that, it just it's a, it's a big deal. It really is. Like I said, I'm for sure he is 100% sorry for what he has said. Without a doubt. I mean, hopefully, you know, at some point he can be forgiven. For some, he may never be forgiven. And that's something he has to, I'm sure he understands. I mean, like it said in the article, at least, you know, he took ownership of it. And not going for, I'm sorry, you were offended approach. That I can commend him for. But, you know, I'm just one out of millions. I'm one out of millions of wrestling fans. I'm just one person. So me, me having my, you know, me commending him for, you know, owning it. Is, is just one thing for me. You know, another person can think differently and so on and so forth. The words we say matter. Especially for me as a podcaster, words matter. But also learning and evolving and growing also matters. And, I, and you know, when Miss YLP and myself finished the conversation before I hit record today, you know, I told her I'm just learning. I'm just trying to understand. Because in terms of how it works, I'm pro wrestling first and then go on second with everything else. In terms of what I do here. So I'm sure Jay Briscoe's learning, trying to be more understanding. But I know for a fact that you know, what he has said in the past does come back, you know, the past comes back to haunt you. And unfortunately for the Briscoes, there will be no Briscoes in AEW. That's that's just how I see it. The, the second I heard about it, uh, when I saw the article, I immediately thought, yeah, there's no way we're going to see Mark and Jay Briscoe in AEW anytime soon, if ever. I mean, from, a, from a pro wrestling standpoint, it sucks. But from societal standpoint, I understand why more than likely we'll never see the Briscoes in AEW. And hopefully, as we go on in society, we learn, we evolve, and grow and understand. And I'm still trying to understand, you know, the LGBTQIA plus community. I'm trying to learn. Help me learn. Help me. Help you. And let's, you know... Hopefully, let's see how with uh, Jay Briscoe. Let's see what happens with this. I will keep an eye on it. Um, and again, I am trying to learn, and I'm sure Jay Briscoe is trying to learn as well. So if y'all can understand that for me, to help me learn, I would greatly appreciate it because I appreciate y'all. All right? We'll keep it a stack with that. Finally, let's end, let's end today's show on a happy note. Feel me? Let's end today's show on a really, really solid note. Now, I know for the longest time, 
as Mr. YLP Jr. decides to get a little itch action on today's episode. Because, dude, I'm itchy. Well, that's what happens when you play outside in the backyard. You're going to get itchy. You need a bath. You honestly need a bath. I don't need a birthday. Well, it's a couple months before your birthday, so we're trying to make sure you're you know, as prim and proper as possible. I'm just saying, trying to help you out. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> I don't know why we have that pause. So, let's get into it. Let's get into happy, happy time. Like I said, we've all been clamoring for a UK event from WWE main roster. Main roster. For quite some time. 30 years to be exact. And, uh... For those who don't know, the last time we had a WWE main roster, well, that time it wouldn't have been a main roster, it's been everything, WWE event in the UK was SummerSlam 1992. I've been clamoring for it to come back. I've wanted it to come back. I have honestly, 100% without fail, wanted a UK event, WWE main roster, just saying, fuck it, we're doing it live, we're going to the UK. From Mark Middleton on WrestlingInc.com. WWE reportedly headed to the UK for premium live events. Let's read this, shall we? WWE has reportedly decided on their long-awaited premium live event in the UK. As we've noted, a WWE special event has been rumored for the UK for years now. And there was talk in the fall of 2021 about possibly holding the 2022 SummerSlam event at Principality Stadium in Cardiff, Wales. But there was also talk of WWE potentially running other UK venues in September. This seemed to be confirmed when WWE announced a premium live event for Sunday, September 4th, with location and name to be announced later. In an update, WrestleVotes now reports that WWE has plans to hold their UK premium live event on Saturday, September 3rd. I'm going to say that again, because I know Brother Jermaine is somewhere in the UK seeing this and wilding the fuck out. In an update, Russell Votes now reports that WWE has plans to hold their UK premium live event on Saturday, September 3rd at Principality Stadium in Cardiff. This date of Saturday, September 3rd is interesting because the WWE schedule currently is Sunday, September 4th, reserved with the location and name to be announced later. But it looks like plans have changed and they are going with that Saturday instead. This will, of course, be Labor Day weekend in the U.S., or as I like to call it, the last hurrah summer. Anywho, the first weekend in September is expected to be the same weekend that AEW will host their 2022 all-out pay-per-view. AEW ran that Sunday in 2021 and Saturday in 2019 and 2020. WWE was originally interested in Principality Stadium because it has a retractable roof, which would help with the unpredictable UK weather. I don't know. Colorado has entered the chat with that one. Weather is wonky here. Mother Nature don't know what to do, apparently. Just saying. The venue can hold up to 78,000 fans for a pro, uh, a boxing or a pro wrestling style event. It was reported last fall that WWE also wanted to hold a fan fest event that weekend. And then a raw TV taping the following Monday after the premium live event. There is no word yet on where the raw would be held. WWE has not held a UK stadium show since the SummerSlam 1992 pay-per-view from Wembley, which was headlined by the WWE Intercontinental title match, 
between WWE Hall of Famers Bret Hart and the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith. Oh shit, I forgot. Yeah, he was in the Hall of Fame. Yes. The attendance number has been disputed, but WWE reported 80,355 fans in attendance for the 1992 SummerSlam. There's no word on what the September 22 event from the UK will be called, but we will keep you updated as WWE should be making an announcement in the near future. And of course, they have all the uh, events already up. Seeing Deliver, of course, on Saturday, April 2nd. WrestleMania on the 2nd and 3rd. WrestleMania back. They're still keeping that name. They're still keeping WrestleMania back. Come on. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that in just a moment. Hell in a Cell, June 5th. I'll talk about that. Money in the Bank on July 2nd and then 30th on SummerSlam. September 4th, you get the UK event. Premium live event, another one in Saudi Arabia. Come on, people. And then they got November 26th of the Survivor Series with nothing going on in December. Okay. UK, you're getting one. And you deserve it. Honestly, if there's any place in the world that fans, wrestling fans for that matter, should have their moment to shine in the sun like Tommy's mom did on Rugrats when she won the game show and picked the damn gold-plated Dalmatian. If y'all know the episode, wow, it was a great, it was a great 15 minute episode of Rugrats. Fantastic. You can go back and watch it. I promise you. Fantastic. It was wonderful because she wanted her place in the sun. It was, uh, see, we learn things on Rugrats. Find your place in the sun, people. And the UK is getting theirs. Finally. I am very, very happy about this news. I am happy. I am ecstatic, elated, like I'm just just be I'm over the moon about this. Because the funny thing is, is like NXT you, you did that already. And then NXT UK, of course, had their events, Blackpool. Oh, Blackpool. One and two. Wow. Whew. Fantastic. Wish they had done it in Manchester. Wish they had done one in Manchester. That would have been bonker. Oh man. Anyway, I'm I'm really just hyped for WWE finally, finally saying, you know what? We're going back to the UK and doing a big time event. It's been talked about for a long time and I've wanted it for so long. And I think the people in the UK deserve that. I would have personally done a a SummerSlam or, uh, I mean, I mean, everybody would be like, yeah, we can do a rumble there. And, you know, a lot of people complain about it because it's time difference. You know what I mean? I believe in Brother Jermaine, if you're out there in the YLP realm, just hanging out, saying hello to, uh, you know, mailman and whatnot. If I'm wrong, let me know. But I believe the time difference is six hours. If I'm not mistaken, six hours, five or six. I believe it's six. Um, so that's always a, a, a major issue for a lot of fans. Um, ain't too much. Ain't too much of a pain in the ass for the Saudi show, though. Because it's in the afternoon. You know, people are going about their day. Sometimes you got errands and whatnot. It takes longer than usual. But hey, that's why we have wonderfully Peacock for that. <laughs> so, win for us. But, time difference is an issue, of course. And most of the time the shows are like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Which, I ain't got usually much to do on the weekends. Um, but, I can I, you can always catch up on it with, you know because you have DVR and all that good stuff. I'm hyped. I'm very hyped. And everybody in the UK, my UK people, you should be hyped as well. Because honestly, from seeing the NXT events that I've I've seen, 
NXT and NXT UK events in the UK, it's second to none, man. The fans are nutty. The fans have ener- they have the energy. You know, I'm a soccer fan myself and a fan of Arsenal. I'm sure someone out there in the UK going to be mad. I'm an Arsenal fan. I'm a Gunners fan. It'd be like that. We I don't know what they're doing. Though. They just, mm, can't even get in the Europa League. That's how trash we are at times. I pray for them, though. Hopefully, hopefully we can get back to top four status sometime in the near future. We'll see. We're trying. I don't know what they're doing, but we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. Just breathe, sick. Arsenal's going to be okay. But, you know, with soccer matches, fans go, uh, the fans in, the, you know, in England are nutty. I mean, with MLS over here in the States, it's good. They got a strong contingent, but ain't nothing like the UK fans, man. Ain't nothing like UK fans. And they and the, and the thing I love about UK fans is the fact that they, take, they just take a show that's already good and turn it into insane with their energy. I mean, I see, I mean, one thought I have when I was thinking about this when I found out about the UK event, um, my first thought, my one of my first thoughts was ICW. Um, I think I'm trying to think of their biggest event is Fear and Loathing, or if it's um, I know that's not, I, know, I know there's Square Go. Square Go's usually in like Royal Rumble style. But I'm trying to think if they do it. Cause that, uh, is it it's something is it something mania? Ah, mine slips me. But usually their biggest show of the year. And um Greedo coming out to Madonna's Like a Prayer before his title match against uh, Drew Galloway. I believe it was Drew Galloway. Um and that crowd, that crowd was insane for his entrance. Just for his entrance. And wow. That was just, that was an epic moment. An epic moment for Grado. And, he, and the crowd was right behind him from beginning to end. They were behind him. And when he finally won the big one, the crowd went ballistic, man. I watch it every I watch that moment every once in a while and seeing Grado win the ICW championship, and it's a beautiful thing. Um But it's moments like that that make me think when September rolls around, Labor Day weekend rolls around for yours truly. Um I'm going to be hyped for this. I'm hyped for this. Will I watch it in, fa- oh, in favor uh, over All Out? That remains to be seen. Depends on what you bring to the table for the card. I know what AEW is going to do for All Out. You know exactly what they're going to do for All Out. They're going to go All Out. But how is WWE going to counter that? How is WWE going to counter that? I mean, you're going to the UK for the first time in 30 years. You have to go big. Learn from what NXT and NXT UK did and go big. Do it. It's for your benefit. It's for your benefit. Like, all of it. Every last bit of it. It's just very, it's just that, like, like NXT UK, you know, at least for me, put UK on the map. 
I mean, I was already a fan of progress. Learning from, you know, learning about OTT and ICW and all that. But NXT UK, and when NXT went to the UK, that was when it was big. Look that up real quick. I believe it was London. Yep. 2015. London. That was the, I believe that was the first time NXT went to um, the UK. As I'm reading from Wikipedia, it was their eighth event. It was their eighth overall, but this was their first time in London. It was great. And it was, that was actually that was that was a fun show. That was a fun show. I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, of course, the the rivalry between Finn Balor and Samoa Joe, um, the feud between uh, Bailey and Nia Jax, uh, Dash and Dawson. You know. Facing off against uh, Big Cass and Enzo Amore for the NXT titles. That was also fun because of the fact that uh, Big Cass and Enzo Amore were becoming like super over baby heel. Like, like baby baby heels. Baby faces. <laughs> baby heels, really? What the hell? Anywho, English heart. But this was a fun event. You know. You had the Fatal 4-Way match. Uh, that was like, that was, the pre-tape one was at Vaude Villains, Hype Bros, Blake and Murphy, American Alpha. 2015, this was like your four. This was like your top four at that point. Of course, with Dash and Dawson and, you know, Big Cass and Zoe Moore. That was not, that was pretty solid tag team division in 2015. I'm not going front. Um, Sammy Z, Ty Dillinger, Elias Sampson, I believe was like uh, starting his debut in his run in uh, NXT. It was fun. It was fucking fun. Fun specials. And then, of course, you had the, uh, the UK takeovers. Dublin. You see, yeah. So you got Blackpool, one and two, Cardiff. Was there? There's gotta be another ones. Cause I know though I think I believe there was four. Do do nope, Blackpool, Cardiff. Okay, Blackpool two. Okay. All three of those shows? Fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean just what was it? We had the uh, championship of the uh, of the NXT UK Tag Team Championship Tournament. What was that? Mustache Mountain, Gallus, uh, Flash Morgan, Webster, Mark Andrews, and Grizzly Young Veterans. Strong four in the early stages of the NXT UK's Tag Team Division. I tell you what. I used to talk about it weekly back in the day. All right? So I was heavy into it. I mean, Finn Balor and Jordan Devlin. That was, that was fun. That was a really good time. I mean, Tony Storm defeating uh, Rhea Ripley for the NXT UK Women's Championship. That was a great match, a very big moment. Joe Coffey and Pete Dunne. Oh my, oh my God, that was, oh my fucking God. That was, that was a great match. That was a fantastic match. Because that same night, Walter made his NXT UK debut. Yeah, that's why that, that's why Blackpool was so important. It was that important. Because you established your tag team division with the Grizzly Young Veterans winning the championship instead of the favorite Mustache Mountain. Tony Storm finally winning the big one. And then you had a banger between Dunn and Coffee, And then you had Walters. That was... Fantastic. Fantastic. So... WWE now going to the UK for the first time in three decades is going to be a pivotal moment. Because once you do it once and you get the, re- hopefully have a, a show 
wonderful enough for the crowd not to turn on you, I think it's going to be a great moment for WWE overall. I think it's going to be a fantastic thing overall. I believe wholeheartedly that they can make this work. I have a, I have a strong feeling that they can make this work. Because they have to. Excuse me. Because they have to. I mean, you're not going to go to the UK for the first time in three decades and give a lackluster fucking show. I waited, what, 10 years for a a J Electronica album? And it was just okay at best? I I don't want to have that feeling of disappointment. I want to have that feeling of they came back and, you know, it was more like we miss you. Let's give you something that you guys can remember forever. You know what I mean? That's going to be the takeaway from that. Hopefully, it pans out to be well, but I think it will be just fine. And that's going to conclude this week's episode of the YLP Podcast, episode 326. When we come back, we're going to close up the show in proper YLP fashion, get you ready and prepared for episode 327 of the YLP Podcast. See you in a little bit. guys that's gonna be it for episode 326 of the ylp podcast as always i want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day your night your afternoon and your evening wherever you may be wherever you are in the world thank you guys so much for taking this episode of the podcast and as always i greatly and truly appreciate it if you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the ylp podcast if you just want to see me rant on social media do not hesitate to follow me on my socials. You can find me on Twitter at YLPerspective. You can find me over on Instagram at Young underscore Alliance underscore Perspective. And you can also find me on Facebook. Simply search for Young Lions Perspective Podcast. Hit that thumbs up. Share it with all your friends. And always stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP Podcast. Of course, if you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the YLP podcast. Share this episode with all your friends across all your social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Slide into the DM. Send it through Facebook Messenger. I don't care how you get there. I don't care if you send a carrier pigeon. Let the people know about the YLP podcast because the YLP podcast is for you. But not just me. Of course, with the Kings of the Rings podcast, the Fretzelmania podcast, and of course with the YLP podcast. Like I always say, we here at Wrestle ADL, Wrestle Addict Radio strive to bring you the very best in quality, entertainment, and programming. That is what we do. We strive to be the best of the best, the top of the pops, the cream of the crop, to be numero uno, and understand to be then, now, and forever the alternative the professional wrestling podcast, and that we are here to stay of course as i say every week you know everybody has a different platform that they listen to for podcasting whether it be anchor or whether it be something else we want y'all to know that you can find the entire family of wrestle Attic radio podcasts across many many different platforms of course you can find mine anchor.fm slash young lions perspective you can also check it out on anchor.fm slash wrestle addict radio ambiguous podcast solutions.com shout out to mr will terry shook for running the beautiful website that is ambiguous podcast solutions.com and of course you can also find all of our podcasts on amazon music and audible which 
Shout out to out y'all and uh, what up to Amazon Music and Audible. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can find us on Stitcher Radio, Castbox FM, Overcast, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio. Like I said before, and of course that good old Spotify fam. Search for the entire family of Wrestle Addict Radio across all these different platforms. Let them know Mr. Wild sent you. Alright? Let them know Mr. Wild sent you on that. I mean, just look over to the judges to ensure I fulfill my, all my obligations for today's episode. Looking over this week to the country of Great Britain. Because this one's for y'all. I'm getting a thumbs up. We're good. So, episode 327. Next Saturday of the YLP podcast. We're going to be talking about news. We're going to be talking about news. Of course, but I'm going to be talking about next week, of course. I'm going to open up, and I thought about this this week, and I'm going to open up probably next week's show talking about my thoughts on WrestleMania and how they have been doing so far. Granted, this will be the go-home episode before we talk about WrestleMania activities. So I kind of want to like air my thoughts out there to, you know, how I think this WrestleMania may be just for me and my opinion. And the hope I do have for WrestleMania this year. I'll probably talk, I'm going to kick off this week's, next week's episode with that. And of course, all the news that's fit for me to talk about. Like I said, if you have any news that I may have missed, if there's any news that is going on during the week, that... <laughs> and Mr. YLP Jr. now officially has a soup bone. I did. I have a soup bone. Yes, I do. It is delicious. And um, I don't have enough to share, unfortunately. So, um... I'm going to go over here and eat it. Bye. <laughs> Mr. YLP Jr., of course, making his weekly appearance on the YLP podcast. Surprised he didn't do it earlier, but a appearance nonetheless. So, like I said, my thoughts on WrestleMania going into it. And, of course, all the news that's fit for me to talk about. All that good stuff. It's WrestleMania season, y'all. Y'all know how it is, and we're you know, like we're right there. Two weeks away. Get ready. It's about to be obnoxious for the next three weeks with next week's episode, then making WrestleMania preview and predictions in two weeks' time, and then the post-WrestleMania review three weeks from pretty much today. So, that's all it is. There isn't any more. Guys, enjoy this week. Enjoy the remainder of your St. Patrick's Day weekend. Don't drink too much and if you do please please on earth thing i love and care about take that uber or lift home it will save you tens of thousands of dollars i promise you seriously enjoy yourselves enjoy your week have a productive week all that good stuff and i'll see you guys right back here next saturday for episode 327 of the ylp podcast see you and i'm still mad about russell wilson going to the broncos This has been a Russell Attic Radio branded podcast.